0: Amen, right? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Heath, for braving the camera and telling the great story and the power of the gospel at work in your life. Thank you for that encouragement and a reminder for us all that God is at work. He is in the business of reconciliation. And given each of us, really, the ministry of reconciliation to continue to share this good news, to be his ambassadors, and to watch this gospel power at work. This power that we'll even look at tonight. We're finishing up with chapter 6. Turn there with me, if you will, to Romans chapter 6. We've been in this great chapter for some five weeks now. I think we've uh, exhausted it enough, haven't we? We'll take a break next week, obviously, and then uh, we'll jump into chapter 7 and spend several weeks there, and then several weeks in chapter 8 as well. That should take us through the rest of of this spring, really. Let me read for you Romans chapter 6, verses 20 to 23. Follow along as I read. For when you were slaves of sin... You were free in regard to righteousness. Therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the outcome of those things is death. But now, having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit, resulting in sanctification and the outcome, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And God's only authorized hymnal and songbook, what we know as the Psalms, it begins with a depiction of two paths. The way of the blessed man and the way of the wicked man. The wicked man is characterized by increasing wickedness. You don't have to turn there, but you may be familiar with it. The wicked man is characterized by walking in the counsel of the wicked, standing in the path of sinners, and sitting in the seat of scoffers. There's an increasing wickedness going from the classroom, as a student in the classroom, to then a player on the court, to then a coach on the bench learning about wickedness to participating in wickedness and then teaching and encouraging others in this sin and wickedness. Then the outcome, we learn that they will eventually be driven away and judged for their wickedness. In contrast to that, then, the blessed man is characterized by his increasing righteousness. It says that he delights in the law of the Lord. He meditates day and night on the law eventually bearing fruit, growing always. He's depicted as planted firmly next to the streams, constantly being nourished, roots sunk down deep to hold fast in the storms. It's an increasing righteousness, going from delighting on it to meditating on it day and night to then bearing this great fruit, encompassing all of him. Two paths in life. And this is really a common concept throughout all Scripture, isn't it? The Proverbs contrast the wise person with the foolish person, isn't it? In Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14, Jesus, at the end of the Sermon of the Mount, He tells of two gates and two paths, right? Two gates that lead to two roads. The wide gate and the broad road that leads to Destruction. And many find it versus the small gate and the narrow road that leads to life and few find it. We also see these two paths depicted as sheep and goats, wheat and tares, good trees and bad trees, rock foundations, and sand foundations. This concept that there are two paths, two roads, two ways to live, carries on and on, on and on. The motif carries all throughout the scripture, coursing its its way through the veins of the Bible, weaving its way into the fabric of the word. And normally we think of these two paths, normally we think of this concept in relationship to evangelism, Don't we? Pleading with men to consider which uh, side that they are on. Which path are they on? And then begging them to choose Christ and choose life. To leave the old way behind. However, what we've seen these last couple weeks, in this second half of Romans 6, and we'll see here tonight, is that Paul is taking this well-known truth this well-known concept of two paths and now applying it as proof that Christians can't continue to live their lives in sin. It has implications for our sanctification as well. There's two paths, there's two ways, two masters. We're either a slave to sin or a slave to God. And we must remember now where we are in all of Romans, right? We must remember where we've come from, these concepts of sin and justification, and now into our sanctification. And I want to read this little recap here that James Boyce has of this chapter and where we find ourselves tonight. He says, Paul has been talking about the permanent nature of salvation. This was his theme in chapter 5. And it is the dominant note of the magnificent eighth chapter that is still yet to come. Between these two chapters, he has been exploring the errors of people who say, on the one hand, if salvation by the grace of God in Jesus Christ is a sure thing, if it cannot be lost, why should we not go on living a life of sin? We will be saved anyway. And on the other hand, If we are saved by the grace of God, apart from the Old Testament law, why shouldn't we then be lawless? And the verses immediately preceding the ones we will study here tonight. The apostles answered the first question by showing that being a Christian means being delivered from a slavery to sin so that we might become willing slaves of God, which is true freedom. We cannot go on serving the old master. This means that being a Christian and not being a Christian are two mutually exclusive categories. Therefore, once we have passed from our former unbelieving state and become a Christian, we have no choice but to go forward in the Christian life, which means serving God in holiness. And so tonight here, as we conclude chapter 6, we're going to have a deeper look at the benefits and the outcomes of our slavery to God in regards to how we live this life here and now. And so if you're taking notes tonight, I want to just give you a chart. A chart that maybe will be helpful for you to understand this. And so if you want, take out a sheet of paper, one of those notepads, or maybe you have an old bulletin. And I just want to explain this for you here. This chart at first, and then we'll, I'll put some flesh on it as we go. But make four columns in your chart. Four columns. And at the top of column number one, write, Slave to. Slave to. Not the number two, but as in you're a slave to sin. And underneath that, Slave to. Underneath that, then write, Sin and God. In the next column, then write, Free from. Free from. And underneath that, in the two rows underneath, write righteousness and sin. In column number one, we have slave to sin, God. Column number two, we have free from righteousness and sin. And in the third column, then, the top right, benefit. The Benefit. And underneath that, then write shame and sanctification. Benefit, shame, sanctification. And in our fourth and final column, then, at the top, write outcome. Outcome. Or the result, but outcome. And underneath that, then write death and then eternal life. Slave to sin and God, free from righteousness, sin, benefit, shame, sanctification, and outcome, death, and eternal life. And I put this chart before you because this is really the, some, the summary now of the verses that I read for you. Verses 20 to 23. In chart form, maybe it's helpful for you to see this. Because there, under our headers, under the top column, we see the first path. If you're a slave to sin, you're free from righteousness, your benefit is shame, and the outcome is death. Path number two, or way number two, you are a slave to God, free from sin's dominion, their benefit then is sanctification, and the outcome is eternal life. Previous to this, we saw that everybody is slave to somebody, As a result of our enslavement to that somebody, we are no longer under the dominion or the slavery of the other. And so let's talk about path number one. Let's add a little flesh to this, our slavery to sin, and look more particularly at the benefits and then the outcome. And I think it would be helpful here as we consider the benefits to our slavery, because we've already seen this. Paul's laid this out in the preceding verses, that we're either a slave to sin or a slave to God. And so tonight, let's hone in on these benefits and the outcome. But I think in terms to benefits, it's, it's helpful to think about a job. Okay. And really in all these, you have a boss, you have a supervisor. That would be who you are a slave to. And because you are a slave to that boss or that supervisor in your work, that means that you are not under the supervision of somebody else's boss. Okay. If you work at Walmart and you have a boss there, you are not on, you don't have to listen to the boss at Kmart. Okay. Or wherever else you work. But you have a boss, meaning that you're free from the other bosses next door. And at your job, then, you have a benefits package. What you get as a result of being employed here. You might get a health plan. You might have a uh, a, a membership to a gym. Or you get a certain stipend. Or you have some sort of benefits that are come as the perks of being at this job. Maybe there's no benefits, but I think we all have something that comes as a result of being employed by someone. And then we have an end goal, the outcome, what we will accomplish when all is said and done, where we are heading to. And so on path number one, the benefits, we look at verse 21 then as he explains this. Therefore, what benefit... Were you then deriving from the things which you are now ashamed? It's really, what's the answer to that question? What is the benefit of being a slave to sin? What benefit did you derive? Well, really nothing other than shame. Other than shame. All sin, the sin that you were enslaved to, the sin that you engaged in, the sin that you loved only brought fleeting pleasures was just temporary in nature they were diminishing they were passing they were never satisfying it's why we go deeper and deeper and deeper into it because one sin is the next time it doesn't give us the same sort of thrill or satisfaction so we continue deeper and deeper and deeper into sin the only lasting benefit of that downgrade the only lasting uh, pleasure that we get that we learn from this verse the only lasting thing is shame and our slavery to sin as we continue in it is embarrassment is guilt what benefit did you receive shame in this life that's why sin is often carried out in in the darkness that's why sin is often carried out behind closed doors when nobody else is looking late at night when you're all by yourself, because it comes with a level of shame and a measure of embarrassment. This is really why the, the great work of normalizing sin is, is ever prevalent around us and making these things acceptable to try to suppress those feelings of shame and guilt. And if it becomes normal, if it becomes an acceptable part of society and culture, then it's an attempt to diminish the shame and the embarrassment that comes with it. And this is, that's really just tragic. And so the benefit, if you are on this path, if you are on the, path, if you are a slave to sin, then we learn here tonight. The only benefit then, is shame. So what is the outcome? Where does this path end? What's the finish line? He answers it for us there in verse 21, the second half for the outcome of those things is death. And we've learned this. This is a repeated thing. We saw it in verse 16. Verse 21 here, and then we'll we'll see it again in verse 23. This leads this path. When you are on this roadway, the final destination, when all is said and done, when you cross the finish line, it's death. And this is spiritual, eternal death. Separation from God forever. Not necessarily speaking of physical death, although that is a part of it, but that's really just the entrance into this finality. The foreverness. The never-ending part. Of our separation from God. You're on this path. You derive these benefits of shame in this life. And where is this going to take you? Death. But praise the Lord that physical death doesn't have the final say in believers. Amen? So in verse 22 now, we're going to see the other path. We have these two ways. The slavery to sin and now the slavery to God. But now he begins and isn't that music to our ears hopefully you know I've, I've we've seen this multiple times here in romans it's a common phrase all throughout the scripture and those words that that but now or but god should play like a melodious tune to our souls knowing when we come from the ugly screeching notes of their previous path of the way of sin our countenance should really lift at this key change. Anytime as we read God's word, we need to praise him for words like this. But now, that, we don't, that, the, that first path is not the only way. That the first roadway isn't the only way to go. But now, having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, here's the second path. We're freed from sin. We're enslaved to God. You derive your benefit. And so we have to ask now, what are the benefits? Well, first, our first benefit is really the fact of a new master something that we've talked about the last several weeks, but I want us to just remember that that in itself is one of the greatest benefits, that he has claimed you as his own, that you now have a new master, that God did indeed interject himself into your life and put you onto this new road, into this new district. Beloved, you've been chosen by the kindest, most gentle, gracious master, your owned by not just a new master, but the best master. We delight now to serve him. That in itself is a benefit that he just begins, that you've been freed from sin and enslaved to God. And from that, then we derive this second benefit we call sanctification, this holiness, this set-apartness that is increasing in us, continuously conforming us to Christ. This is the great benefit That as we present ourselves to righteousness, as we continue in holiness, as the Holy Spirit lives in us, as we are submitted to the Master, that the benefit of that in this life here is this increasing conformity to Christ, this increasing godliness, this new Master, a new way of life, new habits, new ways of thinking, new ways of... of growing in godliness and i want us i just i think it's helpful for us also to realize that this is different in all believers we're all on the same path we're all enslaved to god we all have the same master we're all going in the same direction but but all of us are on different points of the road I 10 goes a long ways. And if you think of this, this enslavement to, to God as being maybe on I 10, it's a long ways. And some of us are in different parts along the way, headed in the same direction, all being driven by the same master. But it's, there's different points on the road. West Texas, as you drive on I 10, is an ugly stretch of I 10 and yet we're all headed in the same direction but some of us are at different paths parts some of us are more mature some of us have grown in godliness some of us have different struggles with different things doesn't mean that we we aren't sanctified or even being sanctified it doesn't mean necessarily that you're not a believer we just all the benefit uh, we're just reaping the benefits at different Uh, at different intervals, at different places. And it doesn't necessarily mean that one person won't get to where you're at or that we weren't never in that spot. Doesn't make anybody better or worse. Doesn't make any person in a different, a higher or lower class... But it's just helpful for us and important for us to remember that all of us in this process, all of us in the reaping of this benefit of sanctification, are at different points in life. Also, it's important to note here that this sanctification requires obedience from the heart. Because what does God look at, right? God looks at the heart. It has little to do with how we are dressed, or our adherence to cultural preferences, but our desire to honor Christ with all that we have. Holiness doesn't isn't equated to how slick back your hair can be, or how nice your clothes are, or the kind of car that you drive, or how early you get to church. But it has all to do with our desire, all to do with our increasing holiness, with our saying no to sin and our yes to righteousness, our our yes to living wisely as the Bible instructs us to live. That's what God looks at. That's the measure of sanctification. That's the measure of our growth here in these benefits. What's the outcome then? We're on this road. What's the, what's the outcome? What's the final prize? What is the destination? Then to verse 22. And the outcome then? Eternal life. It's eternal life. John 17, he, Jesus here tells us what eternal life is. Listen as I read the first three verses. John 17. Jesus spoke these things, and lifting his eyes to heaven, he said, begins this high priestly prayer. He says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. Even as you gave him authority over all flesh, that to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And so what is the outcome? What is the final prize? It is eternal life. And yet some of us, there is a, this future aspect that we will fully realize this. And so that is where we're heading. And yet here, this began, this eternal life has begun in our regeneration. That from the moment we knew Christ, the moment that he bought us, the moment that, that he opened our eyes and we were reconciled to him, that's when your eternal life began That even now you know God the Father through Jesus' mediation in your life and the Holy Spirit living in you now. That's eternal life. And so physical death doesn't have the final say, but it does then release us. The the physical death then is in the door to the full realization to this. And so we have that yet to live for. And yet a part of experiencing that here and now in relation to sin... As we know the Father through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. And this even a part is this life, this eternal, the forever, never ending. And the life, this our living, our being, existing with the triune God in a manner we can't even fully fathom yet. And that's where we're headed. That's the outcome. That's the final prize. That's the destination for all who are on this second path. All who are enslaved to God. Verse twenty-three then is an incredible summary. It's a well-known verse, right? I think this is one of those verses that probably every believer should have memorized. It's a great synopsis of the gospel, and it's a great summary here of this uh, of this passage. Not just in relation to evangelism and in relation to our conversion, but also in relation to our sanctification. We should all love this. We should all know this. For the wages of sin is death. Summary of the first path. What is a wage? Something that was earned for effort. Something that, we, that is due to us for our labor. And the outcome of, way, of our sin, the outcome, what did we earn by our sin? What wage are we paid? Death. But on the flip side... Here's those musical words. But. But the free gift. That which was given. That which was unearned. Literally the grace. It's the Greek word charisma here. The grace of God. The free gift. That which we didn't earn because it came through in Christ Jesus, our Lord and Master. What did we earn? Eternal life. What were, what were we given? What was given to us? What was credited to us through this free gift? In Christ Jesus. Eternal life. Wow. Great for evangelism. But also again for our sanctification. As in our battle against sin. We don't continue in sin. Because we're not on that path anymore. We're continuing under a different master. On another path. We're headed somewhere different. This road has different rules than this way. We drive differently on I-10 than we do on Harper Road out here, headed to Harper. I-10 has two lanes. It's much faster. You can go 75 and 80 in some spots. 70 if you're going that way. But we'll go that way because it's faster. Heading towards Junction. It's fast. You can pass. There's two lanes to go around. You drive differently on that road than you do on Harper Road, headed to Harper It's 50, maybe 55 at some places. There's slow turns. There's no passing. It's one lane. And so you drive differently. And we in this same life, this same truth is we drive differently depending upon the road that we live on. And we live differently based upon the master that we serve. This is exemplified in our life. This is what we see as the benefit in our life and the outcome as to where we are headed and what is our goal and what do we long for. Believers long, they just case in point, on Friday, in the celebration of Bill's life, we know that he is, has eternal life. The death of a believer comes with, with a great, great amount of sadness but also a great reward. In believers, we our hope is for that eternal life. And in unbelievers, what are they just afraid of? What are they doing everything in their power to avoid? Because they know it's the outcome. And there's no hope for anything after death. And yet we as believers don't fear that because that is not the final destination from the master whom we serve. The road which we are on. So beloved... Brothers and sisters, what are you longing for? What outcome is on the horizon? And So in closing, just three things here for us. I want to ask again, as I've asked, as it's been the title of these last three weeks, of this series here, really beginning in verse 15. But whose slave are you? I really challenge you to look at the benefits, look at the scenery in your life. Look at the horizon. Your shame or sanctification? Are you in the weeds? Are you in the glorious flower garden? And the horizon is there death or eternal life? Whose slave are you? Whose life are you enslaved to? Who is your master? I would plead with you if you are on the first path, if you do not have the hope of the gospel, that you would turn to Christ. That you would leave that way behind. That you would repent of that sin. Put your trust in Christ, the one who paid the price and enabled us to live. Repent from that and turn towards Christ. Be reconciled to God. Trust Him. Do that even tonight. Don't leave without casting yourself upon this master. Love him. Obey him because of the great measure of grace that he has shown his enemies. Secondly, I would just encourage us all to extend grace to other slaves on the path. I think it's helpful for us to realize that we are all just slaves heading along on this same way. And if we think about you know, if you've gone on a vacation and then you heard that your friends were going on the same vacation or that same trip, you would want to offer a, a helping hand and offer maybe some travel tips, the lessons that you learned, warning them of what to watch for, what to avoid. Hairy places in the road, places that cops like to hang out, pitfall, pit uh, uh, in pits in the road. Places to enjoy the scenery, great views, great places to eat along the way. You might even give them a map on how to get there. Such is the same for us in this life. Extend grace to others. If you've been on the same trip... Share lessons that you've learned. Warn of what temptations are out there. Give the map. Give the, offer the, the way, the directions, the path here. Show the places, the, the great scenery, the great encouragements, the great meals that speak to those uh, times in your life. But extend grace, extend love, extend mercy to others, other slaves chugging along. Let's lend a helping hand. Love one another. And finally, it would encourage us to examine your obedience to the master. Psalm 139, which we're all familiar with, ends with these two verses. David says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there be any hurtful way in me. And lead me in the everlasting way. We've talked much about our relationship to sin lately. We're free from sin's penalty and its power over us in this life. Yet we're not free yet from the presence of sin. So as you examine your obedience, I encourage you to think through what are those sins that still call out to us as we wander too close to that wall? Those vices that have that all-too-familiar voice yet in your life. Are you staying between the lines on the road, the lines of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God? Are you dragging into the ditch? Are you veering off? you considering yourself dead to sin, alive to God? That when those temptations come, when you feel yourself veering, you say, no, I am dead to you, sin, and I am alive to God. I am heading in this direction. What are those rumble strips that you've set up in your life to warn you, to wake you up? Don't just ignore them, take heed to them. Heed the Word of God, heed the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking through the Word of God. And yet, when you hear those rumble strips, don't get discouraged, don't just give in and head into the ditch. But keep on going. Keep on plugging along. The Holy Spirit leading you. God's Word teaching you. And embrace the grace of God that guides you home. Let's pray. Father in heaven, what a glorious passage of Scripture! What great benefits! do we have those of us who are your children we are growing in sanctification we're growing in our holiness we have this great hope on the horizon of eternal life of a life forever in union with you a life forever seated next to you life forever at your feet worshiping oh what a glorious day Oh, what a savior that we have to win that. Father, I would pray that if that is not the case for any who are hearing this, and if the only thing that is in the, their life is that they are benefiting from is shame, temporary pleasures and sin, hating what is on the horizon of death, trying to avoid it, God, that you would snatch him up and Slave them to yourself. Oh God, would even today be the day of their salvation? Thank you for this grace to live here and now. Thank you for this great pastoral wisdom as we continue in this battle to stay on the road. Thank you that our outcome is secure. Help us along the way. We pray these things in Christ's name, our Master. Amen. Amen. As we close, would you please stand and turn in your hymnals to number 175 as we sing, Hallelujah, what a Savior. Number 175, Rachel and Heath lead us as we close our service.